When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Second Red Comics, very own Remzo W. Martinez. Go ahead and find me on X at Remzo. That's H-E-Y-R-E-M-S-O. People ask me a time or two. They're like, you know, is it Remzo or Remso? And the answer is yes. Take with that as you will. Uh, Want to go ahead and give you an update on behind the scenes. Uh, we are spoiling you guys. We're, we're spoiling you rotten. We offered you guys a fucking brand new Amazon. Or we're not on YouTube anymore, so I could say fucking now, because it's just it's just us. Um, you know, the same people as always. Uh, we offered you a Amazon Fire Stick, or a signed illustration from our friend Matt Pataglia of the Kingdom Come Superman, and the only request made was that you go ahead and subscribe at the $25 level on Patreon or higher. Or if you were already at that level, you go ahead and just upgrade. And uh, I think that's a good deal. And none of you took it. Wait, 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 wait. No, today's Friday. That means you have 24 hours to go ahead and take advantage of this offer be the first person, and you get to pick between the brand new Amazon uh, TV Fire Stick or the Matt Pataglia Kingdom Come Superman illustration. You would have known about this if you're part of the Second Per Comics Fan Zone, our exclusive Facebook group, where we go ahead and hang out, talk shit, have a good time. You can join that for as little as $5 a month. You know, the whole point of the Second Print Comics Club is to bring community together. It's to give you this opportunity. And we're offering so much more. Um, I mean, for for epic for our epic crossover people, um, I just sent out, I think, three packages of graphic novels. But this time, I'm stuffing them with comic books. That's right. When you join at the fuck it pile level... That is the fuck it pile level. It still surprised me that we went through with that name. The fuck it pile at $15. Every three months, you go ahead and get three um, back issue comics that Mark or myself will select. When you join the epic crossover level, um, you go ahead and you get three comics in addition to your hardcover graphic novel. You also get birthday gifts when you sign up at the $15 level. Um, you start to qualify for a... Uh, birthday gift on your birthday, $50 value. And then it just keeps going higher and higher and higher. You get to the SPC Illuminati level at 50 bucks. That's when you get everything prior, which you can see on patreon.com slash second print pod. And you get to produce a show like what we did 
with a you know a high priest Eric of Distrucity. That's right. If you were a um, if you were listening on the feed, you got a good chunk of the episode. The rest of the episode where we covered the uh, four issues of the infamous Warrior series that was available for patrons. And then when you get to the $75 level, the Infinity Gauntlet level, you get everything, and you get a birthday gift of $100 value. We're talking shirts, statues, figures, books, collectibles, signed stuff. So freaking awesome. Why do I keep telling you about this? Because it's so freaking cool. And we are having a great time supplying you with what you want and keeping this community strong. So please, after the recap, go ahead and check out patreon.com slash pod if you haven't already, because you're still getting stuff on the free feed. Imagine what you get on the premium feed, patreon.com slash pod. Another week has gone by, and it seems like every week for the past like five years, I swear, um, MCU Phase 5, MCU Phase 6, I feel like they're just duct taping this bitch together. Like, this is as messed up as Jigsaw's face. It just keeps getting um, delayed, and writing crews are laid off, and strikes are happening, and actors are entering and leaving, and directors are entering and leaving. And it seems to the first... Oh, and Jonathan Majors is probably going to jail, which was not on my bingo card for 2024, but what can I say? Um, When it comes to the two biggest projects that we're hoping to see not be complete, like dumpster fires, we're looking at Fantastic Four, and we're looking at Blade. Mahershala Ali is now in a weird position because uh, the Daredevil series from the Netflix days is now officially MCU canon, which by default also makes Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, which makes me tremble, uh, Defenders, all that stuff from the Netflix era of Marvel is now canon. So it's a little bit odd. It's a little bit odd to have... Cottonmouth and Blade looking exactly the same. Now, I, I'm a big Mahershala Ali fan. I thought, you know what? He was in a non-canon MCU series, and now he's going to be Blade. We've seen that before in the past. Non-canon stuff, you know, forget what the actors did then. We're talking about the real deal. Makes sense. Now that's going to be kind of weird. But you know it's really weird? The fact that we still have no indication as to what is going on with Fantastic Four. Is Pedro Pascal... Mr. Fantastic, is Antonio Banderas the thing? Is Natalie Dormer going to actually be the Invisible Woman? We don't freaking know because they've been changing it day by day. And um, nobody really has a grasp on how the FF actually fits into anything. We thought we would get some answers a couple years ago when we saw John Krasinski's Mr. Fantastic enter on scene in uh, Doctor Strange in The Mom, The Multiverse of Madness. But that, that, that's basically just been written off as a joke. So what can we expect? We're all just wondering here. We're all just, you know, spitting into fans, hoping it doesn't come smack us right in the face. Well, I've got an idea. I've been saying that they need to make this uh, a period piece. I think that Marvel is great when they do period pieces. Case in point, the first Avenger, um, when they have gone back in time and stuff like that, or when they have done stuff that takes place in certain eras, they usually do a pretty good job at that. And I, I think I had said a while ago, wouldn't it have been cool if they do one of two things? One, they either completely just take the ultimate FF approach, the ultimate Fantastic Four that was kind of in the Josh Trank 2015 uh, Fantastic Four film that nobody talks about. They probably won't because of that 
Fantastic Four film by Josh Trank that nobody talks about. So the ultimate Fantastic Four, which for the record, Mark, who's not a big Ultimate Universe fan, Mark liked the Ultimate Fantastic Four comics until they got weird. Um, that still has a pretty good premise to it. I think it could be something that they could really uh, use to kind of rejuvenate the MCU, bring in this old school team that really is Marvel's first family and make them younger. That extends a couple of phases at minimum, but who knows? The other option was go retro, have this be kind of like a Captain Marvel-esque situation where it's like, you know, there were heroes before um, Tony Stark when he said, I am Iron Man, and after Captain America went nice. So why not go ahead and throw them in the 60s? Uh, other other people, this is not my idea, um, other people have brought this up. And I found this really good piece over at CBR.com. I'll link it in the show notes today. It's titled, The Best Hope for the MCU's Fantastic Four is to Go Retro. And I like I, I like the sound of that. I, I remember waking up on Saturday mornings, going to Cartoon Network, and seeing the old 1960s, 1970s Fantastic Four cartoons. As cheesy and as dumb as they were sometimes, they were fun. And I would I love that magic. That's really my favorite era of the Fantastic Four. Um, you know, on old episodes of Second Brick Comics, <laughs> one of my favorite episodes we did was actually a more recent one from this past, uh, from 2023. It was when we did the origins of the Super Scroll, the time with the Secret Invasion series on Disney+. Plus. So I'll go ahead and jump into this. And give you my thoughts. And if you want to read the article yourself, go ahead and check out the show notes. So here it is. The best hope for the MCU's Fantastic Four is to go retro. The biggest challenge facing Marvel Studios is the MCU's Fantastic Four. And the only choice the filmmakers have is to go back to the FF's retro roots. This is by Joshua M. Patton. Um, Since Avengers Endgame, the newest Marvel releases haven't enjoyed the same urgency among audiences, especially since the advent of Disney+. While 2023 was a difficult year for Marvel Studios, the biggest challenge yet ahead of Kevin Feige and the company. Um, Biggest challenge yet... Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. They, wow, they actually fucked this up. The biggest challenge yet... Oh, the biggest challenge, I can't read, that's why. The biggest challenge yet is ahead of Kevin Feige and company. Uh, Faced with many concerns, Marvel Studios should do what's worked in the past. Hue as closely as possible to the source material. Wow. One, leave it to CBR to not really talk about why Marvel had their most difficult year. But wow, give it to CBR to say stop messing with shit and stick to the source material. Okay, okay, I see what we're trying to do here. Have a little bit of both worlds, right? Yeah. There are many forthcoming entries in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Both fans and the industry are hotly anticipating. The largest of these is the homecoming for Marvel Comics' first family, the Fantastic Four. Facing harsher scrutiny than they're used to, Marvel Studios' best hope for the MCU uh, take on the Fantastic Four is to lean into the source material and go retro. With a franchise in such a strange yet inevitable place, getting the Fantastic Four film right is even more important than it once was. Especially when you consider the last time we saw them was that Josh Trank film. Ugh. 
Ah, still just feel gross. My brother and I went to go see that. We were the only people in the theaters. And I went ahead and uh, yeah, I remember going to hang out with my friend Sean. And I was like, Sean, did you see it? And he was like, yeah, I did. And I was like, how many people were in the theater? And he was like, just me and my dad. The only other time I had an experience where it was literally just me and one other person watching a superhero film based off a of Marvel property was New Mutants. And 99% of you didn't even know that movie was out. Go watch that on Disney Plus if you're still subscribing to them. Anywho, the Fantastic Four was created in 1961. Many have taken credit for their creation, starting with publisher Martin Goodman, who said he directed Stanley to create the team to rival DC Comics' Justice League of America. Later in his life, Jack Kirby claimed sole credit for the creation of the characters, saying Lee only provided the dialogue for his finished art. Stanley has often said that he, Kirby, and a lesser degree Goodman discussed the concept together from a story synopsis he wrote. From that synopsis, he said Kirby designed the characters and paced the story via his panels. This came to be known as the Marvel Method. Soon became the company's standard approach. With that, Fantastic Four issue one was an immediate hit. And leave it to CBR again to once again take a hit at Stan Lee. Listen, we know that he didn't come up with all of his shit. But you know who he's not? He's not Bob Kane, who literally shoved Bill Finger in the gutter and let him die while he stole Batman. Okay? Stop crapping on Stan Lee. Was he perfect? No, but he's Stan fucking Lee, and these people show him no respect at all. And how dare you drag Jack Kirby into this? That man is a saint, but no. CBR has to have their cake and eat it too, and just like the rest of the modern entertainment industry, just completely continue to shit on Stan Lee while he's dead. Shame on these people. Tangent complete. Uh, with Lee, Kirby, Steve Ditko, and others, the Marvel Age of Comics began. It is arguably the greatest run of character creation before or since. The Fantastic Four, as fans and characters in the universe lovingly called them, enjoyed years of success. In the late 1970s, sales began to lag as comics faced a decline in popularity. John Byrne joined the title in 1981, and he helped revitalize it. He changed the Invisible Girl to the Invisible Woman. Byrne even shook up the roster by bringing She-Hulk in when Ben Grimm was turned human after the first Secret Wars comics event. Um, also, one of my favorite runs was She-Hulk, and uh, everyone knows how I felt about She-Hulk before Disney ruined her. But what doesn't Disney ruin these days? Um, after X-Men and Spider-Man were hits in the early 2000s, Fantastic Four debuted the first successful live-action adapt live adaptation. While they weren't the most critically well-received, to a generation of kids whose characters were the Fantastic Four, the first two films earned new appreciation, especially after Josh Trank's film, stylized as Fanforstic. <laughs> That's stupid, stupid branding. Um, offered a dark, dreary take on Marvel's first family. Marvel Studios' Fantastic Four can be a success if the studio embraces the magic of the characters Kirby and Lee created. I think they meant Lee and Kirby, but, you know, of course they're kind of constantly, constantly take hits at it. Uh, the, the Fantastic Four can be a family out of time, like Captain America. In the early days of the MCU, the biggest problem for the studio was another, quote, first superhero for Marvel. Captain America was created by Kirby and Joe Simon in 1940, a year before the attack on Pearl Harbor, punching Adolf Hitler on the cover. Then called Atlas Comics, the character was seen as too earnest, too old-fashioned, and too patriotic to work for modern audiences. Captain America the First Avenger changed everyone's minds thanks to Joe Marcus and Stephen McFeely's story. It also helped that Steve Rogers was portrayed as an earnest but unproblematic old-fashioned hero by Chris Evans, 
who also played Johnny Storm in the first two Fantastic Four films. Uh, one option for campy superheroes is to take the, quote, Batman approach. Josh Trank's film was an attempt to make The Dark Knight with the Fantastic Four characters. I, I, you know, this is me adding. I also say they tried to do that with The Amazing Spider-Man, and that was mixed. Um, the director said studio meddling hurt the film, but also suggested his version of the film would have told a darker story. Darker than Doctor Doom, like crushing everyone's head with his psychic powers? Please, man, please. Um, this is the guy who did Chronicle. Why was no one surprised that he did dark, violent shit? Uh, While the dark and gritty treatment can work for superheroes, the Fantastic Four are the wrong characters for such a story. That's if you had Josh Trank direct Barney. Tell me how that would go. He's eating children. Just a monster. Um, Captain America faced darkness, but the character himself was the bright center of the MCU. A similar approach to the Fantastic Four characters would work because it's a version of these characters fans haven't seen yet. The first team in live action was bright enough, but they were contemporary for the early 2000s. The MCU can lean into the characterization while shunting the characters themselves back to the time of their creation, the 1960s. The MCU's first family can be heroes with timeless values from a bygone era. Um, In a fantasy universe, especially one that's been rebooted twice via the Loki series, storytellers can simply change the canon. They could make the Fantastic Four team of heroes operating in the 1960s that time forgot. However, that stretches suspension of disbelief in a way even Mr. Fantastic can't pull off. If they can't be heroes in the 1960s, the characters themselves could simply be from that era of history. This would help them stand out from the increasingly dense MCU in the way Captain America did in those early days. They'd be part of their time, yet perfectly able to function in the modern day. In the comics, the members of the Fantastic Four were exposed to cosmic rays to get their powers. The origin has been updated as real-life science caught up to fiction. Whatever experiment is fated to give them powers, it could involve time travel or multiverse hopping. The quantum realm solves that problem for both of their powers in getting to the 1960s from the 1960s to the 21st century. Conversely, they could escape a dying branch of the multiverse and find themselves in the modern-day MCU. From there, there are, many story, there are many ways storytellers could make this work without getting too in the weeds of fictional explanations. This would allow Reed Richards, Ben Grimm, Susan, and Johnny Storm to be the characters Kirby and Lee created in 1961. It would also make them underdogs, as relics from the past that are easy to overlook. Just as Steve Rogers' earnestness and moral clarity helped him earn his place in the Avengers roster, the MCU's Fantastic Four could do something similar. From their collective wonder at the modern world to the values in those early stories, it might just be what the universe needs. So this article continues a little bit down more into speculation and into casting and stuff like that. But I think for the most part, for the most part, the concept of a retro Fantastic Four holds true. But doesn't matter what I say. What about you? Let me know on X at HeyRemzo. Or if you're awesome and already a part of the Second Brick Comics Club, you can go ahead and let me know in the Second Brick Comics Van Zone or on Patreon. Which, by the way, other than mailing out comics and graphic novels recently, you know I'm about to get in the mail? I'm about to go on a trip for the next couple days, work trip. Uh, When I get back, I am getting Second Brick Comics membership cards. You don't get hotel discounts. You can't rent a car with it. It can't get you into secret passages in the French ca- in the Paris catacombs or in London Tower, but you can go ahead and show it off to your friends. Do you want to see it? Only way to see it is to get in at the club 
and support the movement to read comics, change the world, at patreon.com slash secondpertpod. See, I did the ending in reverse. Whatever. This is a weekly recap. See you next week. Bye. time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.